0: This is Ben Lowell, and thanks for joining us for Back to the Bible Canada. Today, we welcome a special guest Bible teacher for the week, and Dr. Newfeld. He's a great friend of yours. So, how do you like to introduce Rob for us? Yeah, thank you, Ben. We've got with us Dr. Rob Goddard, and uh, Rob and I have been friends for a lot of years—a very dear and precious friend. Rob, you and I did our doctoral work together. You mentored my son in pastoral ministry. I recall leading a woman to the Lord once, and you discipled her. I mean, we've had a long partnership together, and it's a joy to have you fill in for me this week. Uh, Dr. Rob Goddard, what a joy to have you at Back to the Bible Canada.
1: It is truly an honor to be with you at Back to the Bible Canada today. Uh, Not only is this a great program that has an amazing history, but it's also one of the great places for biblical preaching in Canada today. Dr. John, thank you for that. And not only are you someone I deeply respect and cherish as a friend, you're also someone I consider to be one of Canada's finest, if
0: not Canada's finest, preacher. So truly, this is an honor. Thanks so much, Rob. And this week, Pastor Goddard is going to share with us a series called Amazing Grace, more than I'd imagined. So we look forward to all that Pastor Goddard will provide for us this week. And uh, let's not wait any longer. Let's go back to the Bible with Pastor Rob Goddard.
1: One of the observations that I have made over the past 20 years of pastoral ministry is that there are many people who consider themselves Christians that are not experiencing the joy and peace and abundant life that God wants them to experience in His grace. And I ask the question, why? why? Why does it seem that the church and the world look so much alike? Why is it that so many who claim to know Jesus still struggle from day to day just to keep their heads above water, struggle to feel the joy of walking with God, struggle to be who God wants them to be, struggle to experience incredible joy? Well, there's probably many reasons for this, but one of the key reasons is a shallow view of grace. God's grace is amazing grace, and yet as Bonhoeffer coined the phrase, so many are experiencing cheap grace, or maybe even more profoundly, not experiencing all that grace is. It's my belief that if we understand and experience grace from the Bible's perspective as God wants us, as he has shown it to us in his word, It will help us to be able to live the life that He wants us to live, fullness of joy, and all that He desires us to experience. And so for this week, it is my desire that we would walk through this doctrinal reality of what grace is, and with that new understanding or renewed understanding, (laughs) seek to experience it, and through it, all that God wants us to experience in the depth of intimacy of relationship with Him. And so as we get started, I think it'd be very helpful to have a definition of grace. What is grace? Well, there are a number of definitions if you will read theological texts. One of the simple ways to remember it is that it is God's riches at Christ's expense. But we can go even further in our understanding if we grasp that it is something that is undeserved. It is not something that we can earn or attain or ever deserve in our lives. God's grace must be a part of our lives from start to finish or we will not start or finish the walk with God. I love Jerry Bridge's definition of what grace is. He says it is God's free unmerited favor shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. If you have a Bible close to you, I would love for you to pick it up and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, where we want to begin this journey together at one of the great passages of scripture on this topic of grace, this reality of grace. And start to understand that grace is for salvation. This is really a good starting point for our understanding of grace. It displays not only our need, but God's rich provision in a way that we should experience not only the greatness of grace, but have a change of life, a change of joy, a change of meaning and purpose. And so today, as we look at Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, it covers something that is very basic and yet something as Christians we should never leave for me i was raised in the church and did not understand grace until i was around 19 years old after a year of bible college in fact if you would have asked me in my first 19 years if i was a christian or not i would have answered yes but i didn't understand what it meant to be a wretch saved by the amazing grace of god and it's my belief it wasn't until around 19 years old that I actually experienced the richness of God's grace and now my longing to go even deeper in that. Ephesians 2, 1-10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God." Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The first step that this text allows us to take to understand and experience the wealth of the grace of God is a negative step. It talks about the wretchedness of sin. Salvation is necessary because all humans are sinners. And sin is not just something we can glibly move beyond. Sin is wretched, and that is how the Bible describes it. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked and following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. Sin is something that separates us from God. Sin is something that causes us to be dead and the bible describes so clearly the wages of sin is death you might be saying yes i know that i know i need to be saved now let's move on to something happier the problem is we cannot find and enjoy the cure if we do not know the sickness put a different way if we do not understand the wretchedness of sin we will not be able to understand the greatness of grace the amazingness of grace in fact we will talk about it but not experience it we We will explain it to others, but never see and feel the depth of the love of God for us. I remember sitting with a young lady in salmon arm as I was just beginning my pastoral ministry who just couldn't grasp this. And she shared that in singing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, she just couldn't sing that line that saved a wretch like me because she just didn't believe she was a wretch. And sadly, if you can't sing that line, then grace is not amazing. It's very ordinary that saved good people like all of those around us. Here, the Bible is so clear. We need to see ourselves outside of the grace of God as someone who is dead in trespasses and sins. I remember another young man I was sharing the gospel with in Salmon Arm, who, as I was starting off the presentation to help him to understand his need for Jesus— asked him if he knew the wretchedness of sin, if he knew he was a sinner, and he responded to me, well, no, I don't think I've ever done anything wrong. And then he paused for a minute. It had surprised me because usually people were willing to admit that they were at least a little wrong. And then he said, well, there was that little old lady that I entered her home without her knowing and stole from her, but but I never hurt her. So I don't think it was that wrong. Well, I hope for you it's easy to see how this youth was deceived, but how about you? How about us? Too often we compare ourselves to others and feel generally good. Too often we don't see the wretchedness of sin, and so the need for salvation is so diminished. Foundational to an authentic experience of the amazing grace of God is to understand the wretchedness of sin that we all experience. Secondly, we also need to understand that wrath is God's right response Verse 3 is almost overwhelming in this text. It says that among them we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Wrath, God's wrath towards us because we're sinners. And in fact, every great experience with God Every great relationship with God goes through the process of understanding our own sin and the wrath of God upon us. You remember Isaiah, who saw the holiness of God so profoundly in Isaiah chapter 6, and his response was, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm falling apart, I see the wrath of God that I deserve. God's wrath is never a light manner. It's serious and it's terrifying. We talk about being saved, but the question we need to understand before we can understand what being saved means is, save from what? Save from who? In fact, as Christians, we talk rightly a lot about the death of Jesus, but we often forget why Jesus died on the cross for us. Primarily, it was not to show us how much he loves us, although it does that. Primarily, it was not to show us how to love, although it does that as well. But it was to take upon himself the wrath of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It was to pay the price that we deserve to pay by becoming sin in our place. I love 2 Corinthians five twenty-one: He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What every human needs to understand before they can understand and experience the amazing grace of God is the wretchedness of sin, and that because of sin, they and we, along with all mankind, are objects of God's wrath. Remember again what grace means. It is God's free, unmerited favor shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. Our understanding of grace must include an understanding of the consequences of sin,
0: or we will not understand the greatness of the reality of grace. The term grace is one that we're all too familiar with, but do we fully grasp the reality of what the doctrine of grace teaches? But before we get to the good news, let's first understand the bad news. The wretchedness of our sin must be seen and accepted for what it is if we're to ever get a true sense of the magnitude of God's grace. When we come back, Pastor Rob explains what happens when grace intervenes in our lives. Thanks so much for listening today. You know what, back to the Bible Canada, we're eagerly anticipating our very first upcoming cruise to Alaska in 2016. That's right, along with Laugh Again Ministries, we're taking guests for a wonderful vacation adventure next July 3rd to the 10th aboard the Celebrity Infinity, one of the sea's finest ships. If you don't have any plans next summer, why not join us for a great time where together we'll enjoy the beauty of Alaska, fellowship with friends and family, and be restored in the teaching of God's Word, laugh, and worship. Of course, joining us for the journey will be Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld, Laugh Against Phil Calloway, and musical artist Amanda Stott. So, for more information and to register early, visit backtothebible.ca or call us at 1-800-663-2425. For now, let's get back to today's message with Pastor Rob Goddard. I am so thankful
1: that Ephesians 2 does not leave us with that horrible news of what we need to be saved from It continues on, and it shows us the wealth of grace. In fact, John Stott says that some of the most wonderful words in the entire Bible are found now in this text. We've seen the wretchedness of sin. We've seen the wrath of God, which is so real on every individual. And now the wealth of God's grace poured out on us. I love verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, Even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The richness of grace, the wealth of grace is so understandable when we understand and experience what we have been saved from. This statement, but God who is rich in mercy and love, but God came and saw us in our terrible state and he loved us. He offered us life. He gave us an opportunity to believe in Him and be saved from His wrath and from our death. He took us sinners who deserved this and then made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together with Him and seated us with God in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. These are so rich that each could be developed as a sermon of its own, and all of us should now be rejoicing in gratitude. Overwhelmed with his grace, singing from our hearts amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I love verse seven. It describes grace as indescribable richness. In other words, as hard as we can try to describe and illustrate and explain grace, we will fall short. It also tells us that for all eternity, we will be echoing back and forth the richness and depth of the grace of God that has impacted us and. And so if you're a true believer, when I see you in glory and you see me in glory, we'll look at one another and rejoice at the richness of God's grace to us and say, I can't believe you made it. God's grace is so amazing. And that will be echoing all over as we are trophies of grace for all eternity. This passage has so much to teach in terms of knowledge, but also in terms of experience. And so one of the questions I think it's important for us to answer as we look to the Word of God to learn about it is also, how will this change my life? How how can I respond to this reality that God's amazing grace is for salvation? Well, the first and most important response is that we would be those who believe. In verses 8 and 9, it tells us that this is a work of grace in our lives, it's something that God produces in us, and it is also something that we are called to choose, called to have, called to respond, called to believe. Well, what is it that we're to believe? Well, we believe that God is holy and just and that I am a sinner dead in my trespasses and sin, an object of wrath by nature. Nothing I can do can earn my way to God But God, in his rich mercy and love, sent Jesus to die in my place. And he rose again, paying the penalty for sin and conquering sin and death on the cross, and now calls for me to repent, to believe, to trust in him, and to have a new life, to live my life for his glory, forgiven and free, passionate and and full of joy and the peace that comes from my relationship with Almighty God being reconciled. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Today, as you are listening, ask yourself the question, do, do you believe? Do you believe in the reality of the holiness of God, the love of God, the response we need to have, and then the life he's called us to live? Maybe you have believed, but you're struggling in your life even now to live in the joy of victory, and this is the starting place, but it's also the place where to stay as believers, to never leave. In fact, the gospel of salvation is one that we should preach to ourselves every day, to, to never forget That's why we have communion. That's one of the reasons we celebrate baptism as churches, because we need to keep our focus on the amazing grace of God. Today is an opportunity for you to reflect on these verses and the reality of grace and to say for all eternity, I am a trophy of grace. That song, Amazing Grace, that we all so Love was written by a man named John Newton. He was born in England and his mother died when he was only seven years old. His father remarried and then, after what we think was an awful relationship, sent him away to school for a few years. And at age 11, he left the school and he joined his father's ship to start to life as a seaman. His early years were one of a continuous round of rebellion and sin and evil Newton eventually became the captain of a slave ship and was so cruel and vicious in his life that his own crew even at one point mutinied and threw him overboard. They hated him and his sin. He was saved from those waters and a slave trader himself then became a slave, John Newton, now at the whim of a woman who hated him. In 1748, while returning to England, finally having escaped that from Africa, he was in a very stormy journey and all appeared to be lost. He began to read Thomas A. Kempis' book, Imitation of Christ, and the message of Jesus that was contained in this book was calming in the frightening sea around him, and the Holy Spirit used this to help him to remember some of the things he had learned earlier. And eventually, through fear and prayer, he turned his life over to Jesus. He continued to struggle in his life and grow in his holiness. He felt the call on God on his life to become a a pastor, and he studied for the ministry. And at age 39, he actually entered the pastorate, and God took this man who had been a slave owner, a slave captain of a ship that would carry them and used him not only to bless many around him, but to bless even us. He has written many of the hymns we love. Of course, Amazing Grace being the one we know the best, but he was a part of producing a hymn book that contains 349 hymns, 282 that he wrote by himself, and he pastored for 45 years. And finally, at the age of 82, when this man went home to be with his heavenly father, he stated this, so rich my memory is nearly gone but i remember two things that i am a great sinner and that christ is a great savior as you're listening today what is it that you remember and see about your own life what is it that would mark you we began by saying there are many in the church of north america who aren't living with joy, aren't living in passionate obedience, are missing out on the richness of the abundant life that Jesus has called us to live and desires us to live as we follow him. And one of the main reasons for that is a misunderstanding and a lack of experience of the amazing grace of God. Today, as you evaluate your life, would you sing from your heart, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch
0: like me. What a wonderful window into the doctrine of grace. This is a message that is so profoundly countercultural and always will be. But the reality of our sin, God's judgment, and His plan to redeem humanity is the most important message for all to hear and to respond to. If you're hearing this for the first time, I hope that you've received Christ as your Savior. And if you have experienced His grace, may you be continually reminded of what the good news means in your life every day. Let us rejoice in the grace and mercy that God has bestowed on us. Be sure to join us again tomorrow as we continue this series on Amazing Grace with Pastor Rob Goddard. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. If you've had a chance to listen to Dr. Neufeld's series on heaven earlier this month, I hope that it has encouraged and challenged you. Many of us have unconsciously adopted views and opinions about heaven that are unbiblical, preventing us from knowing what God's Word actually says about it. Thus, in our day and age, the subject of heaven is critically important for all believers to know and understand. So if you haven't ordered our special resource offer this month, then today is your last chance. Based on years of research, Randy Alcorn's booklet, Heaven, Biblical Answers to Common Questions provides a condensed overview of the essential things we need to understand about our eternal destination. Questions like, will we really have bodies? What will we do? How can we know for sure we'll go to heaven? These and other common questions are answered in this enlightening resource that is available for you for free today. So contact us for a complimentary copy. And if you'd like, request a second free copy to give to a friend. Call us at 1-800-663-2425. That's 1-800-663-2425.